Monkey Monsters. We're back. I'm Taylor back. Gall. That's Dylan Ryan. And we are not technically in a victory formation, but there were some victories in this game uh, last week against the Mayan, against the Dolphins. I mean, if we're being honest, I think I feel better about this loss it's a double victory than I do any victory this entire season. Yeah. Like, this is a game that... It was so exciting to watch. It was a shootout. We haven't really had a lot of those last few years. Mm -hmm. And it not only made me feel like not a crazy person for buying so much into Justin this last season, you know, like, because I've been hearing it from a lot of people, I mean, especially around the station. It was just like, oh, your boy Justin, you know, he's not doing it. About time to start thinking about a quarterback. Exactly. And then, like, we had the the picture of uh, Ryan Pohl standing by CJ Stroud at the Mm -hmm. Northwestern game. And everyone and panicked. everyone freaked out. Which, by the everything. way, guys, there's a lot of other players on Ohio, yeah, Ohio State that are going to be in the NFL. Yeah, shocker, real over there. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was such a fun game to watch. It was probably the most fun I've had watching a Bears offense since the Trestman days, know. at least. I know. It, I could be. It could be ever really. It's so exciting, and like I just can't wait to watch this team develop. Which, speaking of that, um, it a lot of people are saying they're getting that vibe right now, the like Trestman era vibe of like. The, the the tables turned and the offense is playing well and the defense is just completely falling apart. Does that worry you? Uh, I mean, not necessarily because I mean, at the end of the day, like the defense, other than the secondary, it really hasn't been addressed by the front office. Yeah. Um. So like, I think if we plug a lot of the holes, off season will be okay going forward. If we plug a lot of the holes, off season and things don't go okay, mm-hmm. then we got more of a reason to be concerned. Yeah. I think as of now, like, just be happy with the offense. Yeah. Ignore the defense. And, the cra- like, really for me, like, as long as Chase Claypool or Dar- or Darnell Mooney don't punch Cairo Santo in the <laughs> face at some point, yeah, I think we're going to be okay. Yeah, which, speaking of, because obviously you and I didn't do a podcast last week. We were both sick. I went to a Kentucky, uh, wedding in Kentucky, came back with a cold, and when I got back, the entire office pretty much had a cold yeah. or whatever we had. And so you were also sick, and both of us barely had any voices. They were super scratchy and raspy, and we didn't want to do that to people. So we did not do a podcast, so we didn't even get to talk about Chase Claypool um, and him being the newest addition to the Chicago Bears. So quick hits on that. How did you feel? How do you feel? Uh, I thought it was a good move in the immediate aftermath. I thought it was a slight overpay. Mm-hmm. Ideally, I would have liked to give like a third. But seeing that the Packers offered their second in addition to a later round pick as well, mm-hmm. uh, I'm more okay with it because we not only took, not only did we get a good receiver, we took a receiver away from the Packers potentially. Yeah. So overall, I'd say like it's a good trade. Um, ideally, would have liked to give it the Ravens one rather than ours, but yeah. can't be super picky on that one. And I don't know, like he's a big body receiver, he's athletic, yeah, he's and he's instantly something that gives us something that we hadn't had before. So yeah. I'm excited about it. I am too. I was excited initially. Obviously, I've mentioned on here before, I am a Notre Dame fan, so I've cheered for Chase Claypool before, and I'm excited to be able to cheer for Chase Claypool again. He, I even like retweeted because a month ago, maybe a little over a month ago, before the trade actually happened, I tweeted, like, Chase and Cole, time to get reunited, and it happened. Yeah. So that's really fun. We have kind of Notre Dame 2.0 here in Chicago right now. Definitely but a, I, a feeder. I, I think ultimately, even if he doesn't end up being right now um, this season because obviously he's getting thrown into another a new offense learning a lot of things right now um, that it may not skyrocket immediately or be this like major impact as in having like 150 yard games with multiple touchdowns whatever Um, we also are not a passing team that we run the ball 60 something percent of the time I heard on the they were saying during the Miami game the other night Um, but what he does do is is potentially start drawing people from Darnell Mooney. And 
That is huge. We already saw glimpses of it at the Miami game. You saw Darnell open a little more than you've seen Darnell open this year. Um, and so I think that is just such a major factor for this offense. Um, yeah, I mean, not to mention with Claypool. I mean, I think a really good example of just how big he is is the non-call on that uh, yeah. pass interference where oh, it's just like sure. you've got two guys all over him. And, like, he still had a really real chance to get that ball. Yeah. And, like, the guy got his hand I in did, there. He and, technically probably should have got that ball. Yeah, like— but there, it's kind of hard when you do have someone wrapped around you from oh, yeah. the moment, like before he even go, went up in the air, the guy's yeah. arms were wrapped yeah. around him. Um, yeah, that's that was unfortunate because I think that it was one of those moments and we're to the point, you know, where even kind of before the season started, we were like, we're here for the, we're here for Justin Fields. We're here to see if Justin Fields is the guy. We want to see progress. We want to see him getting better. Uh, we're not here for the wins this season, even though it is fun to win some games. Uh, and But there was still a little moment during that time where I was just like, no, like I really want to win this game. And then afterwards I was like, it's okay. But I do really want to win this game this weekend. Um, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a really fun game. Like you said, we haven't seen an offense like that in a long time. Honestly, I went back and looked, and I think that because we've scored 30-plus now in three consecutive games. Well, it was 29, but let's we'll just— We'll take 30. Yeah. Pretty much we're averaging 31, I think, right now in the last three games, which is incredible. We I don't— think we were expecting that after the first three, four, five weeks of the season. Um, but I went back and I looked, and the last time that they did do that was in 2019. And before that, it was just like a long lull of time, too, where it didn't happen. So this is something to be excited about, and I want Bears fans to know that. Like, I want Bears fans to be able to feel excitement. I get you wanting to, like, take a little bit of a step back because you're just so used to being hurt, and you're so used to things going wrong at some point, and like I just said, and maybe it was 2020 because it was that random, like that year was so weird, but 2019 or 2020, and it was when Mitch had the stretch of like really, really good high scoring games, but, and you got a little tease there. So you think about those moments, but if you cannot realize that Justin Fields is on a completely different level, level than Mitchell Trubisky was, we have a lot more talking yeah. to do. <laughs> I mean, like at the end of the day, like having Justin on this team just makes me feel so much better. And like having confidence in your quarterback going forward, like. I know the rest of the rosters needs a lot of work, but like, I feel like we're gonna be okay yeah. because at the end of the day, like, we've got a quarterback, and like, I haven't been able to say that my entire life. Yeah, I know there are some people out there who've been like, "Oh, Jay Cutler, mm -hmm. you might be one of them." Yeah. I disagreed. Yeah, but like, even still, like, this is the most excited I've been about a Bears offense in forever, and like that game last week, I think was a perfect example of how I want the Bears games to go. Yeah, fun, exciting, and then we do end up losing because like at the end of the day, like, losing helps us more. Yeah, it's fun to win, but like. I think both of us recognize that, like, the more losses, the better at this point. Yeah. And the way that we lost the game was not on Justin Fields. If no. anything, like, he threw a, a strike of a ball to EQ, and then he just drops it. Yeah. And, like, don't get me wrong, like, I'd like to see receivers develop and stuff, but, like, Equinemius St. Brown is hardly someone that's locked himself into the future of this team. So, yeah. like, if he ends up being bad and like, underperforming and we lose him, mm -hmm. whatever. As long as Justin looks good, I don't care. Yeah. And I think that uh, just quick, because you had to throw the Jay Cutler thing in there, but there's a reason, like, Jay Cutler holds and broke all of the quarterback records pretty much oh, yeah. in Chicago. So there's no arguing that he's been the best Bears quarterback in a lot of aspects because he statistically was. Unfortunately, he has been. Um, but, and until we see that, he was the closest one to those 30 touchdowns. He was the closest one to that 4,000 yards. And so until... I'm not saying just I need 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns from Justin. I'm just saying there's a lot of people out there that are like, we had that at one point and we lost it. and But that wasn't a consistent thing either. So what we're looking at from Justin is, number one, being able – he's a completely different quarterback also. Oh, yeah. So 
it's going to look different. It's going to have 120-yard passing games because he's rushing for 170-plus yards. Like, a quarterback will not logically have 170 yards rushing and then 200 yards passing. Like, it's just not going to happen. The fact that he had three touchdowns passing and then 178 yards rushing is what these people need to look at and be like, okay, this guy is playing incredible football right now. And it's not just Bears fans saying it. It's everywhere nationally right now. I mean, Justin Fields is the talk of the town this week. With I mean, with all the— Everywhere. He deserves to be. And I think it's really funny. You have a lot of people who, like, very clearly didn't watch the game mm-hmm. and look at the box score and be like, I think he had, like, a little over 100 yards passing or yeah. something. It's like I think it was 120 or something. Yeah, it's like 120 or something. Nothing crazy. And they'll just be like, we have another running back. What does that do for you? And it's just yeah. like— What it does is it gave us three exactly. touchdowns in the but red like, zone. like, that's what I'm saying. It's just like, just because he's not throwing the ball yeah. doesn't mean he can't throw the ball. Like, yeah. it's not like Lamar Jackson where, like— don't get me wrong. I think Lamar Jackson is an awesome quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's not that good of a thrower of the ball. Yeah. He's solid at best. He can be good at times, but most of the time, I don't trust him. Yeah. I trust Justin Fields a mm-hmm. lot more as a thrower of the ball than I ever trusted Lamar Jackson. And I think he's on par with him as a runner. So, like, yeah. if he can just get some weapons next couple of years, it's a the sky's the limit. And really. you've already seen glimpses of that, and that's why we're here this week um, for our monster is uh, Cole Komet, which... I've been waiting to talk about Cole Komet during the offseason. We thought he was going to be a focal point of this, of this offense like right away. We were like, okay, we cannot wait. It's Cole Komet breakout year. We're going, it's Gronk-like Komet. We were hearing people say Clay Harbor joined us and was just like pounding the table about Cole Komet and what he was doing at camp and what he did in the preseason. And so we were so pumped about Cole Komet. And it was crickets for the first seven weeks. Um, and he, he got the ball a little bit. He had games with 30, 40, 50 yards, but there was no touchdowns in that. There was never a game where you were like, okay, like Justin and Cole have this major connection right now. Um, and we saw that first, I think, glimpse of it, and I hope it's not a temporary thing. I hope this is something that they keep doing because this is one of the things we also had been waiting for was Cole in the red zone. And we mentioned last year that we thought that was going to be kind of his role in the offense last year, but Jimmy Graham kind of took over that, understandably so. Um, Jimmy Graham also, I've read a lot about Cole Komet the last few weeks, and Jimmy Graham was a major role model for Cole Komet last year. And Cole Komet owes a lot of his growth and like understanding and football knowledge and just life knowledge to Jimmy Graham. So I think that these last three touchdowns, these last two weeks, we can say thanks to Jimmy Graham for being for whatever he had told Cole Komet last year because Cole Komet has obviously been working to get to this point. Um, so week eight, he only had two catches. He had 11 yards and a touchdown. And that was the first where we're like, yes, finally, like our first Cole Komet touchdown. Um, he also has not had a touchdown since his rookie year before that because last year, despite having 612 yards, they never really targeted him a ton in the end zone. I mean, in the red zone. Um, but this last week, week nine against Miami, which also let's mention, Dylan, that this is – Three good defenses they've played, too. Oh, yeah. We're not playing, like, trash teams that, okay, of course, Justin Rush for 178 yards. Like, this is against Miami, Dallas, and Patriots, who arguably are all in the top 11, 12 defenses in the league. For sure. So, it's it's a good contest that they're going against. Um, so, against Miami, he had five catches, 41 yards, two touchdowns. He also had two rushes and nine yards on those two rushes. Um, so... It's not like some crazy, out, stellar, outstanding numbers, but what you also have to look at is this is 41 yards off of 123 passing yards. So, like, that's a good chunk of what was being put out in, into the game when it comes to in the air. Um, another thing that obviously has been 
kind of a thing that they've said Cole Komet needs to address mm. is blocking because as a tight end, that's a large part of what you do. Yeah. Um, and especially with a team like the Chicago Bears who run the ball a ton um, and his run blocking has been so good recently. And I think it's just getting better game by game to the point where he even said it himself. And Cole's not one of those guys that usually kind of like toots his own horn. And in the press conference, he's like, my run blocking has been really good. And I know you guys don't care about that, but it's a big part of this offense. And I'm really proud of it right now. And I was like, no, like you should be proud of it. Like there's a reason the Bears have the second most rushing yards in the league right now between Justin and Khalil and Montgomery. And a large part of that is, honestly, equanimous because he's a good blocker too, but Cole Kmet and the run blocking area has been a, to- a, a very good factor into this offense. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty funny to think that those are all Notre Dame products, and Notre Dame is known for very much making some set offensive linemen, so the fact yeah. that they're all drilled to block is yeah. not super surprising. They're like, just so. block and we'll be good. Yeah, yeah that and tight ends. Um, yeah. that's, so between the two, which that gets us to this episode today. So Cole Kmet is our monster. Um we talked to two different people. We talked to Coach Dave Archibald. That was his coach at St. Vider, uh, which obviously, if you know Cole Komet, you know Cole Komet grew up in Arlington Heights, um, grew up, obviously, in that same area, then went to Notre Dame, which Notre Dame's only about 45 minutes away, and then got drafted by the Chicago Bears. So it, it's a really cool story because he kind of has, like, never had to leave home. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty much been in the Chicago area his yeah. entire life. So, I mean, it's awesome for him and, like, not to mention his family and he hasn't had the easiest uh, go of it so far in Chicago, but hopefully this last game is a sign of things to come. Yes. Um, so, yeah, we'll get to Coach Archibald, and then we also have another interview with Darren Pritchett. He works for WSBT Radio. Um, he does their weekly sports beat, which is a Notre Dame, strictly Notre Dame um, radio station, and he so he knows all about all Notre Dame sports. He also is the hockey play-by-play for Notre Dame, so that's pretty cool. Um, he said he's done baseball too, but he prefers hockey over baseball, he said, um, which we get into that a little bit in the interview too. But let's go ahead and get to this interview with Coach Archibald uh, and just get – he was his senior coach only, um, so he took over. Cole Komet had already committed to Notre Dame at this point, Komet committed in 2015. This coach took over in 2016, his senior year. Um, but So by this time, he was kind of already who Cole Komet was, but it's really cool to just kind of hear – the how that he transitioned through the rest of that year and what type of person Cole is and how he felt about Notre Dame and all of those other things. All right, now we are being joined by Coach Dave Archibald from St. Viator High School. He was the coach for Cole Komet in high school. So Cole Komet is our monster of the week. He's been he really showed us flashes last year, Coach, and we were super excited. There was a little bit of a lull to start the season, but Cole Komet and Justin Fields, their connection is undeniable, and it's really starting to heat up, so we're super excited here in Chicago. Um, but let's backtrack a little bit. Let's talk to the beginning. Let's go back to the beginning of you and your time with Cole Komet. You took over in Cole Komet's uh, senior season, correct? Correct. Okay, so he had already committed. He committed to Notre Dame that year before in 2015. Tell us a little bit about where Cole Komet was in his development when you took over at St. Vider. Obviously, physically, he was an imposing player. I mean, he had, um, you know, his size and strength were really unparalleled, um, you know, and by his senior year and even even before that. Um, and he was just in a very, very, very good place. I mean, he was, he was already, as you said, committed to Notre Dame and uh, you know, had a lot of offers on the table before that as, as well, before the commitment. Um, and so, yeah, he was a he was a hard worker. He was a captain. He was really really a great teammate, and uh, you know just wanted to do whatever he could to help the team at all times. So, 
Um, and then, yeah, college, you know, he knew where he was going. So that part was kind of easy at that point. And he was just looking forward to, to working hard with his, his teammates and his friends. Now, when you're lo- when you're working with a guy like this, obviously in high school, a lot of these kids are trying to figure out which position they want to play. So when they're in high school, they play kind of all over the place. Was Cole already at in his junior, senior year solely a tight end or did he do other things, too, on the football field? So, I mean, by, by name, he was a tight end, but uh, one of the things, I was a young coach, too, at the time, so it was a new thing for me. You know, obviously, I was running the program, and, and uh, having a player like that right away made made things just unique in the sense of um, I had a guy that week in and week out, we knew the other teams were game planning for, and um, we were working to figure out, you know, what, what are the best ways that we can, can utilize him. Uh, one of the things, looking back now, you know, many years later, as I look back, that I think went really well was that we used him all over the the place in the offense. So mm-hmm. he uh, was playing kind of traditional H back role, sometimes inline tight end. He would be in the slot. He would be in bunch sets. He would be, you know, within a within a three by one. He would be isolated away from a three by one or a quad set. Um, we had him in the backfield. Um, you know, I love the block some of the blocking schemes we had with him. You know, he was obviously a, a big part of that, and he he blocked really well. So. Yeah, I mean, he was by name again a tight end, but he was all over the place, and and that was uh, I think one of our strengths with the, with the offense that year. Which I love that, and honestly, coach, we're still seeing that in Cole Komet. This last this last game last week, he ran the ball a couple times. There was a jet sweep with Cole Komet. He's obviously has yep. the blocking ability, and he's catching passes. So they still are able to use him like that in the offense in the NFL, which is really cool to see. But when you are coaching these guys in high school. Um, what makes you decide that a player, because it's just such a unique position, the tight end position, what makes a tight end a good tight end, especially when you can notice it that that young? Sure, I mean, I think just his natural physical skill set, and, and he worked so hard to maximize that as a high school player, too, of just, you know, like you said, he, he could – he could play in line and, and, and block and be at the point of attack. Um, you know, we could throw to him out of the out of a wing position or out of an inline position and then and then flex him out. I mean, he was he was as much of a hybrid wide receiver tight end as you would see, especially for someone of of his stature. Yeah. Um, so in that regard, I mean, he kind of he was really a, a kind of complete package. I mean, I think he, um, you know, he wasn't maybe your your like slot route runner, but I think that's something he continued to work on and develop in in college. And obviously, as you saw him in, in Notre Dame at Notre Dame and. Um, he continues to develop those those skill sets, and I think the 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 cool thing for me has been to see that um, you know from us to Notre Dame and to the Bears, uh, he's been using a lot of a lot of similar spots and even sometimes similar concepts that we've seen that he, that he's running you know obviously at a different level and against different different uh, uh, level of players, but you know he's continued to have that that diverse role, and obviously the Bears have used him as um, in the blocking game, you know, a, a lot. And he's done a great job with that. And, and now it's great to see, you know, uh, the targets increasing this season as well. Yeah, I agree. I've been waiting. I also, I'm a Notre Dame fan, so it helps to also go from cheering for him at Notre Dame and then cheering for him for the Chicago Bears. It makes it a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. But coach, when when you're talking, when you are a high school player and you have all these colleges coming at you, trying to recruit, and you get to commit to a place like Notre Dame, that is obviously a very storied uh, type of place to play football. What was Cole Komet's mindset at that time? Was he was there confidence there? What type of person is he in his mind? Because some guys it gets to their head a little bit. I think there's confidence for sure, and and also maybe just a, a piece of knowing that when your commitment is behind you. We had that with another young man a few years ago, just Jeremiah Pittman at Iowa. When he committed, it's like almost this this uh, load off your shoulders where you don't have to think as much about it. And you know Notre Dame would stay in touch, and and they they'd stop by and chat and such here and there. But really, I think having that that piece behind him. Um, when I came here and, and was coached up as a senior, it was really nice because 
it's all the easier just to focus on, okay, my, my teammates right in front of me in the next practice and the next game. And, the, you know, just, and also just enjoying your, your opportunities, right. Trying to, to work hard, have fun and, and make the most of every, every play and every game in high school, rather than, you know, that mentality and Cole did not have this mentality at all, but you see some guys um, when they're in the midst of recruiting, it's like, they're always thinking about themselves or they're always thinking about what step is next or who's going to contact me today, or they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're kind of living in that recruiting world. And I think the the great thing for Cole, I think as far as the the character that he has and the mentality that he took um, was no, like I'm going to go through the recruiting process. You know, he made the commitment, but the focus stayed always here and on the next steps with the, uh, with the team and not letting his high school experience suddenly just kind of pass by without really, really enjoying that and working hard there. He, he certainly did, did both. Which I love that. It's, it is hard when there's so much to look forward to, to live in the moment sometimes. So it's cool that Cole Komet was able to do that because it is something obviously you don't get back. So tell us a little bit about that senior year. What, when you were watching Cole Komet that, that final year in high school before he was going to play Notre Dame, were you already looking at him like this guy can be a guy not only in college football, but potentially the NFL? Yeah, I'd seen you know, enough high school and college athletes at that point that I knew that, that Cole uh, stood out. And so, honestly, it was no no surprise to me at all you know, when he was on the trajectory he was in college and um, you know, he was going into the NFL draft. I mean, it was you know, kind of, in, in some ways, um, humbly I'll say I, I I expected it, right? I don't mean that, uh, you know, I don't mean that arrogantly at all. Mm-hmm. I, just, I think it was like, no, this, this guy is of that caliber. We knew that. And with his, when you combine that with his work ethic and his, you know, the attitude he brought, which was um, just being a great listener, um, you know, never, never being too cool for school or for, you know, being coached. I mean, that, the, the things that he brought character wise, it was clear that, you know, he wasn't. A, he was a good guy. who was going to go to Notre Dame and maximize his opportunity there. And and when I I spoke with Brian Kelly, Brian Kelly told me the exact same thing. It was like, hey, everything is exactly as it was in, in high school for him at Notre Dame. He he is working hard. He's he's studying. Um, he's respectful. He's a good listener. He's coachable. He wants to get better at every detail. And and so honestly, the trajectory from from there, from here, and to where he is now, um, wasn't that much of a surprise. It's just more exciting, uh, I think, for everyone that he's been able to be local and do yeah. that for the bears is i think what's made this kind of kind of extra extra special yeah and that's what another thing i was going to even talk about is because it's such a cool situation for him obviously growing up in arlington heights and then going to notre dame and then drafting by the bears you're pretty much just staying home all the time you know in your whole career so far and that's really cool but one of the things i remember seeing at the time was they had the little like car parade through his neighborhood when he was drafted was that did you attend that did you see that did you witness it yeah, we had we were our, our school community was a, was a part of it, and obviously it was it was miles long. Um, you know, it was a it was a cool event for uh, obviously a difficult time with everyone being at home during COVID. So mm-hmm. I know that was special for special for him and for for the family. It was. And one of the things that maybe a lot of people don't know, especially Bears fans, um, Notre Dame fans, maybe a little bit more, but he played baseball also. And he was a pretty good baseball player and Notre Dame and into Notre Dame in his freshman year still had, I think, eight or nine saves on the season as a pitcher through in the mid high 90s. Do you know what kind of made him lean towards football more than baseball? I mean, I think he loved him. You know, he loves both games and, and uh, certainly gave his all to, to both. Um, I think the opportunities in football, I mean, he looked at, you know, the potential of and, and could have been drafted, um, you know, right out of high school. And I think in talking to those teams and just looking at what uh, was presented to him there, you know, what he had already what he had already committed to an opportunity at Notre Dame was was, you know, what he you know determined to continue with. So, I mean, obviously I'm, there was some discernment in that process, but um, 
you know, the football opportunity was was what he went with. And obviously that was an opportunity not just to um, be part of athletics, but to be a part of a great community at Notre Dame and, and uh, work toward it on, you know, his continued education at a great institution. So I, I think, you know, those are some of the factors I'm sure that, that he considered. Yeah, and I, I think that one of the things that we haven't been able to completely see yet is just the type of personality Cole is. We've seen glimpses of it, but it's really starting to shine recently. If you could explain just like the character of Cole Komet, what would you what type of person would you say he is? Um, really fun and, and, and positive and, and energetic and easy to talk to, um, and also very focused. I mean, there was – and again, I'm, as, a, as a senior in high school, I think he – exhibited that maturity of hey um we have to we have to focus on everything every task at hand whether that's that's paying attention in a meeting you know asking questions um listening um you know lifting in the weight room and and or being on the practice field you know he had kind of a, a singleness of purpose about him that which was i want to try to excel in whatever whatever task uh is next or whatever is at hand and again i think that's just continued to now so i mean he's a, he's a very you know uh just again positive positive energetic and and uh and fun guy you know i had a uh, humility about him too that you know he's he's a caring teammate kind everybody and and uh i think that's just been carried out as he as he's grown into adulthood here and and uh, where he is now yeah it's been fun to watch just because obviously the bears uh trajectory the last couple years has been a little messy but you wouldn't have ever noticed it from Cole. And I heard a lot of things about Jimmy Graham kind of being a mentor for him and being able to be where he is at now and being able to be a little bit of a leadership role in that offense. So it's really fun to see that. But one more for you, Coach, before we go. Um, have you talked to Cole since he was drafted in the you know the last couple of years? And if so, what are his feelings about being on the on the Chicago Bears? I've talked to him yeah, um, multiple times, but I, you know, I think when I when I see Cole, my my focus is almost I almost just rather talk about life because I think football yeah football is so consuming and everybody's always yeah. Oh, yeah well everybody's everybody's paying attention to that right and I think in general people when you're um, a professional athlete and in our culture people just want to talk about um, you know this team or that play or you know think it, all about sports and I guess I, I come from a bit of the human and there for me is like no I just want to know how you're doing in life and mm-hmm. and uh, rather talk about about those type of things because I think football football is a constant and that's that's awesome I mean that's uh that's uh he's living he's living out a dream and that's that's fantastic but uh, I think he's a you know he's a person with the depth and knows hey there's there's more to my life and more to who I am than, than football so I guess I, I like to just talk about hey how's it how's it going more than anything yeah. and uh those types of things because I think that the football gets attention you know constantly um, which is which is fine when you're in that when that's the the world you're in right that's great and I'm a coach I'm I'm consumed with football constantly in my in my life and I love it um but I I think uh the those other pieces are of core part of part of his personality and part of who he is as a person is he knows that he knows that he's more than uh, that. even more than football and, and you look at a Jimmy Graham and I think there's another great example right like mm-hmm. the things that you see from of Jimmy Graham and his own interests and the the service that he does um for, for people in need or, or people that he knows he can help in the community is, is really awesome. And I think Cole exhibits a lot of those those same mentalities and characteristics. Yeah, which, Coach, I honestly, I appreciate that answer because I think that we do get engulfed in the football side of things, and it's easy. I work at a radio station that's all sports, and I do podcasts that are all sports. So it's when I'm out just trying to have a good night, it's the the easy question is for people to come up and be like, so, like, what do you think of this play or what do you think of this? And I'm like, I love other yeah. things too. Um, but yeah, yeah. And then fans 
fans yep. freak out sometimes if a player does say the world's it's not all about football and then fans are like hold on wait it should be all about football but it's not they have lives so I love that and I know that Cole has a, a ton of other interests and it's cool his you know his dad played football so there's even more mm-hmm. football in his life so I'm sure it's fun to do other things but um, Coach Ajabat I just want to say thank you so much for joining me I know you have a busy schedule the high school football season's coming to an end are you guys all done with the with your season we're done yeah okay. yep. yeah we were in the yep early round of the playoffs and uh, we're back to the weight room right now. Okay. Well, uh, keep it going. I know I live down here in Florida and our uh, high school playoffs are just getting started, but now we're getting hit by a hurricane. So they're getting pushed back a little bit, but um, I, I, good luck to next season and good luck to this off season. And thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much. Best to you all down there. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. All right, well, thanks to Coach Archibald. Um, Their high school season, regular season, is done now, but those coaches work never stop at places like that. Um, So I appreciate guys like that being able to come and talk to us. And I know I loved a couple things about this, and I'll just say it quick because we have another interview to get to. But number one, um, when he's talking about when Cole Komet, because obviously, like he said, when he came there, he had already committed to Notre Dame. It, It would be really easy at that point to kind of just, do whatever the your senioritis, senior year. Exactly. yeah like you already get senioritis now senioritis and then now imagine like you've already been told you're going to Notre Dame and like you get to go play football and baseball at Notre Dame and you are like ah, okay well football is fun but am I gonna like risk an injury or am I gonna let this get to my head a little bit and obviously Cole Komet is not that guy and I think we still see that like Cole Komet's one of the people where When you do talk to him, and that's what I mentioned in that first part, he's usually not one of those guys that, like, toots his own horn. But you've seen him put in the work from day one, even when last year he came in his rookie season and, like, you know, it was kind of the thing where you're not expecting to be a tight end one that year. But he kind of was that next year. And then they brought in Jimmy Graham, and he was kind of like, hold on, this is weird. Um, But he took that in a positive light, and he took that in to learn from Jimmy and mature even more from Jimmy Graham. So that's cool, number one. Number two – at the end when he was just kind of talking about the more of his personality and what was that last little bit when I was talking about and I asked him I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but he was pretty much just saying like, you know, the type of person Cole is, is who you're getting. And yeah. that's how he's been from day one when he met him until now when he talks to him on the phone and he mentioned, you know, like he doesn't talk to him about football much because Cole is a lot more than football. And you forget that sometimes. Like I forget that about myself sometimes that it's easy to talk football and that's what we do. Yeah. But we also have other interests. We have things we like to do. We have other things going on in life other than football. And so I liked that he really made that clear that Cole is a lot of other things other than the football. Yeah. As crazy as it sounds, I feel like football is the sport where like the athlete as a person, I feel like it's separated so much from the actual athlete itself. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that is because of helmets. Yeah. And like, you just don't see them and you're Mm -hmm. just like, Oh, that's the play. And like, there's been honestly like a lot of players who are like good players in the NFL where I'll be like, Oh, that's, that's how they look. That's so-and-so. Like, (laughs) who's that? Like, you know, like, I'll be like, I've been watching you all year. And like, I will say like, if you're around for a couple of years, eyes are, I don't know what you look like, but like yeah. stuff like that. Like, you know, it's just a r- random thought I had. But yeah. something I also loved that the coach said was the maturity aspect of him. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to be mature at a young age and being able to handle that stuff is always a good sign. Oh, so I sure. think like it kind of really only shows the kind of person he is. And, you know, Cole has been someone that hasn't really impressed me so far this year. Mm-hmm. But recently he's been playing a lot better and I bought into him a lot early. So yeah. I'm willing to continue to believe in him. It's got to keep seeing the improvements.
Yeah, I um, there's you mentioned the helmet thing, and it's funny because obviously, like we work in a radio station, so there's there's athletes in and out of here all the time, and it just happened. I'm trying to, a couple months ago, like during summertime before the football season came, and I'm kicking myself right now because I cannot remember who it was, but it's a tight end in the NFL, like a very well known tight end. I want to say he played for Hayden, oh, it was Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst, yeah, Hayden Hurst came in. I did not know who this. Like I'm standing up front, and I'm like, hey, how are you? And he's like good i'm here for an interview and i was like okay and he was like i'm hayden and, and I, like as soon as he said that i was like oh, oh. like you could tell he was an athlete the yeah. kid the guy's monster oh, he's, huge. he's yeah. huge so you know that but like so as soon as he said hayden i was like oh but it is true and like when we grow attached to certain players so you know what they look like and that's obvious but there's so many guys that even on the bears like if i saw them walking down like the street on a normal tuesday and normal stuff i wouldn't register. Oh yeah, it's you know? funny. I have like a very similar story from like the same thing here at the station where uh, there is. I saw I, was, I usually work at the front desk and I was sitting up at the front desk and uh, someone walks in and like they come out. They're very clearly like have a driver with them mm-hmm. and like they get out of a car and stuff and like they walk in and, like this huge dude like walks up and is just like, "Hey, what's up? I'm here for Jaguars today or whatever." And I was just like, "Uh, cool." He's like, "Oh yeah." I'm, he's like, "I'm Cliff, by the way." And I was like, "Oh, Cliff Averill." Yeah. Like it took me a minute because I was just like, I have no idea who the hell this guy <laughs> yeah. is, but like it's an all pro uh, defensive end. Yeah, so I was just like. Takes and, a and we're lucky enough to where like we get a lot of those situations here like uh, you know obviously Gerard's in here all the time Jeff Logman's in here all the time Tony Baselli comes in sometimes we get guys like that artist Gilmore's from here so he'll come in when well, he has to duck the, in the doors I was doors. working the JU uh, broadcast with him the other night yeah, so, yeah an artist comes in so there's a lot of guys that come in and like we recognize those faces now but you really like you it, it shows how much you do to like it is detached sometimes yeah but um, now Cole Komet <laughs> Not Cole. I know what Cole looks yeah. like. Um, but anyway, so let's get to, let's take a short commercial break first. And then after that commercial break, we'll go ahead and get to the interview with Darren Pritchett. Again, he was WSBT Radio's um, Notre Dame radio for his their weekly sports beat. Uh, so we'll do that. And then we'll come back and talk a little bit about Bears-Lions a little bit. Sounds good. All right. Now I'm joined by Darren Pritchett. Is that how you say it? Pritchett? Yeah. Okay. With WSBT Radio's weekday sports beat in South Bend covering Notre Dame. You are also Notre Dame hockey play-by-play, which is so cool. I'm a major hockey fan, so uh, I, mean, I, I don't know how you guys do that one, honestly. That's probably one of the hardest play-by-plays to do. You know, I get asked that a lot. I used to do South Bend Cubs baseball, too, minor league baseball. And I would tell people baseball is harder than hockey because – if you think about a baseball, you got three minutes of action the entire game. Hockey's just like nonstop. Mm-hmm. If you know the names and the numbers, all it comes down to is trying to figure out a different way to say the word pass. Yeah. That's <laughs> the most difficult thing in calling a hockey game. Yeah, I guess I didn't think about it that way because in baseball, there is a lot of that filler time. When you're, listen- when you're listening to a baseball broadcast, there's a lot of like, look at the rain through the lights. It's just, um, right. uh, they have to keep you entertained. But all right, let's get into this week. Uh, Cole Komet. Cole Komet had... Uh, probably his breakout game of the season. We've seen glimpses of Cole Komet uh, through last year. We really saw that start to pick up. There was a little bit of a lull in the beginning of the season, and some people were a little worried because he was one of the guys that we were really looking forward to uh, coming into the season just because there wasn't many wide receivers outside of Darnell Mooney, and then Cole Komet being that starting tight end was the guy we were looking forward to. Um, But let's take a look at the beginning 
of Cole Komet at Notre Dame. It's it's a cool story, obviously, because he's from Arlington Heights area. So just going to college 45 minutes away, then getting drafted by the Bears, he kind of just gets to stay in that whole that little area for the majority of his life, or I guess all of his life now. Um, and But in the rankings around the nation, when Cole was coming out of high school, he varied from like 83 to 109 ranked by various polls and all of that stuff. But he always sat around that third or fourth top tight end. What was the initial reaction when Cole Komet did pick Notre Dame and committed to Notre Dame in 2015? You know, it's really interesting, Taylor. I was thinking back to when he picked Notre Dame after I found out it was going to be on your podcast, and I did a little extra research to make sure my memory was correct, but what I find fascinating was when he picked Notre Dame, he wasn't even considered the best tight end in that Notre Dame class. The the people I rely on, because I don't get that deep into recruiting, I worry more when they get here. I let the other people figure out the recruiting stars and all that, but I just remember he was kind of the second guy, even though he was nationally ranked high across the board. There was a guy from Texas coming in by the name of Brock Wright, who now plays for the Detroit Lions. Mm -hmm. He was kind of considered the more complete tight end coming to the University of Notre Dame. But obviously it didn't take long for us to see that Cole was going to be a big-time difference maker for this football team. And i got to be honest with you, I'd heard so many great reports about how good of a pitcher he was, Mm -hmm. a left-handed pitcher who threw mid-90s. There was a part of me that thought, the amount of money that baseball is going to throw at a guy that's left-handed that can throw in the 90s might be pretty massive. If he wants to go the baseball route, he's probably going to have a really good chance to get signed right away. But football became his passion, and my goodness, he turned into just in another long line of great tight ends at Notre Dame. But, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Brock Wright was the guy I got told the most about that he was going to be that tight end, but ended up being Cole Komet. That is very interesting. I, I love hearing those type of stories um, just because you hear these guys and down here, like I live in Florida, I cover the Bears, but obviously high school football, college football is huge in Florida. And so recruiting the national signing days are massive here. And it's just kind of really cool to see these guys go from, okay, this is where they're committing to, to this is where they sign to, to how they actually perform on the team and then see them success, succeed in the NFL is really cool too. But I want to get to more of the baseball multi-sport thing in a second. Um, yeah. But a little bit about the beginning of Notre Dame for Cole Komet because Notre Dame was coming off of probably one of their worst seasons in history. Uh, they had only won four games that season before, and then Cole made a start, obviously, in 2017. He wasn't out there a ton, but he made a few plays here and there. Um, but we really saw the major progression through the next couple years leading up to his junior year. But when do you remember really seeing, like, okay, this guy is going to be good? Well, first, I think you make a great point. That class stuck with Brian Kelly after that bad year, Cole included. A lot of guys could have jumped ship because it was not a good time around here at that particular time. So credit to Cole for believing in Notre Dame, believing in Brian Kelly, and it worked out so well for everybody involved. And the great thing about Notre Dame, Taylor, the last 10, 12 years, they always have had one or two tight ends that are really capable of making big plays. And when you're cold, you have to wait in line a little bit. And once he got his opportunity, we saw him grow rapidly as a pass catcher. It didn't take long for us to see that he was going to be another difference maker. I, if I remember right, coming to Notre Dame, I'm not sure if people felt like he was going to be a get-on-the-field guy right away because he wasn't fully completed as a blocking tight end mm-hmm. at that time. But you know what? He learned that particular trait as well. And you have to become a, a complete tight end to get taken as high as he did in the NFL draft 
by the Chicago Bears. So it really was just a matter of time, him waiting his turn. Once he got on the field, he started making plays on a football team that not always had great quarterbacks initially around him, which probably doesn't help some of these guys' development, including a really hurt equanimity of St. Brown's last year at Notre Dame. He, mm-hmm. he had a big drop-off in quarterback play from Deshaun Kaiser to Brandon Wimbush that really didn't help him. But, you know, Cole's a guy that I, you could always tell was a hard worker, a very, very good kid, was just passionate about getting better, and it sure paid off for him here at Notre Dame. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I'll tell you, I am, I'm a Notre Dame fan. So I, during the whole draft process, which we'll talk about in a little bit too, I was just like, oh, how cool would it be to get Cole Komet? And I kept seeing mock drafts of him going to Green Bay. And I was like, this would just end my world. I can't have Cole Komet going to Green Bay. Um, but we mentioned a little bit about him being a multi-sport player. Uh, he also played baseball, obviously. And you mentioned his pitching and, and I think actually in his freshman year at Notre Dame, he had eight saves that year. Um, which is incredible to see him be able to succeed at both of those pretty quickly in college. But what do, do you know what influenced him to kind of lead more towards the football side? Was it Brian Kelly? Was it the fact that his dad, Frank Komet, played football? Do you know? You know what? Off the top of my head, I don't remember. I think it was more of a probably a, a choice that he wanted to be a football player, so he went down that route because, again, I think he would have had a great chance to have a baseball career, kind of like Pat Connaughton. Connaughton mm-hmm. had another game as a baseball-basketball player combination. He threw in the 90s. I watched him pitch at Notre Dame. I didn't get to see Cole as much as Connaughton, but Pat started with the Orioles minor league system before he wanted to be a basketball player, and he proved us all wrong that felt like baseball was going to be his better sport. I mean, he's been a great player in the NBA, and Cole's made a great choice. Too. So, yeah, I don't remember exactly, but obviously he wanted to be a football player, and, my gosh, I don't know if when he arrived, I thought he was going to be a second-round pick because everybody told me, oh, Brock Wright, Brock Wright. But full commit ended up being, that, being the better tight end in that class, although Brock's doing really well with the Lions as well. Yeah, Pat Connaughton, he, he was so much fun to watch in that March Madness yeah. the one year when uh, Notre Dame made that little bit of a run. Uh, so I was rooting for him, and I still do, even though it was for the Bucks. Um, but it's okay. So we, uh, when we talk about his junior season, that's the, that's when you really saw Cole Komet. Cole Komet took over that starting tight end position in his junior year. And like you said, you just slowly started things getting better. The blocking got better. And then you already knew he could catch the ball and all of these different aspects. If you could point to the biggest strength of Cole Komet, what would you say that is? You know what? He turned out to be a very good route runner. And I, I tell you what, he ended up having very, dependable hands. I think he was the guy that the quarterbacks felt very comfortable throwing to. And I think a great thing for Cole coming to Notre Dame, the Irish have used their tight end so much in their offensive game plans. I mean, look what Michael Mayer is doing right now. He's mm-hmm. rewrote the record books oh, yeah. over the last couple of years. But Cole was a guy that was very, very athletic and he just was one of those guys that figured out a way to catch the football. So I, I just have not been – I was, wasn't really surprised once he got out there and we saw him play. You knew he was going to be a difference maker for this football team. And, hey, let's be honest, he's a big part of the reason why Notre Dame was able to turn things around so quickly to have such a dependable guy for the quarterback to throw to at the tight end position made a big difference for this football team. 
Yeah, I agree. And I, I think just like you said, there's another one. Michael Mayer is absolutely, I mean, he's so much fun to watch this season. And that's another guy that honestly, a couple of weeks ago when Komet was in his little slump and people started worrying a little bit, they were like, well, maybe we can go get Michael Mayer. And I'm like, hey, I'll take another Notre Dame tight end. But I do love <laughs> Cole Komet and I'm still rooting for Cole Komet. And I know he's still, he's, he's we're, we're seeing it build. We're seeing it go. There's a lot of things on the, that the Bears are working on offensively right now. And I think it's starting to open up a lot of things. But I want to talk a little bit about that, the offseason after when he decided to enter the NFL draft. Uh, there was obviously rumors swirling of where he could land if it was going to be the first round a lot of people did project him to be that first tight end taking off taken off the board which is honestly it's an honor to be that first tight end off the board because some some people I mean you can wait quite a bit to get to that point uh do you remember the kind of the buzz that was going around when all the draft talk was going on and they were going through the combine and that whole process yeah we try to always have a couple of NFL analysts on the show when it gets toward draft time and I do remember Cole was more locked in as a second-round pick, as I talk to people. And as we know in the NFL draft, sometimes it just depends on need. If it was the year that teams weren't looking for a tight end, you know, you can slip in the draft. And, and tight, is, tight end is a position, obviously, that isn't necessarily a point of emphasis for a lot of teams. And we'll see where Michael Mayer falls this year. He'll be a prime example, probably a top-ten pick. But if there are other position needs for those 10 teams, he may fall. And I think, if I remember right, that had something to do with, with Cole falling a little bit, too. And when the Bears came up, it just seemed like the perfect fit to bring him in at that particular time. I, like you said, it just kind of lined up perfectly. You're hoping that it was going to line up for him being a Chicago kid, and, and sure enough, it did. So I remember there was kind of a second-round buzz from mm-hmm. the people I talked to anyway. And I'm pretty sure, I think maybe the teams that were needing tight ends, it just didn't line up where Cole was in the draft. But I think it's going to turn out in the long run. You've got a a quarterback that's starting to figure it out with an offensive coordinator that knows how to use Justin Fields. Yes. There seems like the last few weeks, Justin and Cole has a pretty good connection. So I'm excited to see where it goes from here. I agree. Did you attend the Cole Komet parade when he was drafted? <laughs> you know what? I did not. And I don't remember that actually took place. So. Yeah. I remember it being a big thing. Like they drove cars through his neighborhood where he grew up and people had like Bears flags and stuff. It, it's just a cool moment because, you know, like this kid, he gets to stay home and play for the team that he cheered for and cheered around for his whole life. So it's really cool. Um, but speaking of that, what type of guy is Cole Komet? Because I feel like we haven't really got to see like the personality a whole lot. We've seen it during wins and what club dub that the Bears had um, when they would dance in the locker room and all of that stuff. But I feel like we haven't really got to see Cole Komet's personality. How would you explain him? You know, that's tough because Notre Dame really doesn't allow us to kind of get to know those guys in that capacity. It's more always in press conference settings. I know he was always pleasant to talk to. He was very honest. I think he was one of those individuals where, you know, the PR departments always give them a few things to talk about. And and he would say those things, but he was a very honest kid. And I remember he was a guy that if you needed to ask a question about the offense, he was always the guy you could go to because it always felt like he had such a good understanding of the offense and what everybody was doing, not just at the tight end position, he always showed you that football IQ, which 
obviously is on display right now in the, in the National Football League. So I don't really know much about him personally just because of the of the access, mm-hmm. but I always felt like he was a high football IQ guy and a really pleasant guy to talk to. Yeah, you kind of forget because we obviously, being in Jacksonville, I work for the Jack- Jacksonville 10 Ton Excel, the flagship station, so we do have so much more access to the NFL guys than we do college players, and you kind of forget that sometimes. Uh, two different, different worlds, the way they handle all of the media stuff, but the this episode obviously is about Cole Komet, but I don't think we can ignore the fact that we're pretty much have Notre Dame 2.0 here in <laughs> Chicago right now with Chase Claypool being recently added to the team. Equinemius St. Brown, you mentioned earlier, Sam Mustfer also starting on the offensive yep. line. And um, that's in addition to Cole Komet. So there's a lot of Irish guys here. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about Chase Claypool, if that's okay. Obviously, the Bears sure. made a move recently to acquire Claypool from the Steelers. Um, he was obviously emotional. That's, you know, he was drafted by the Steelers. That's where he felt he was comfortable. And uh, the main thing kind of surrounding him outside of his, obviously, athleticism and speed and size and everything were some maturity issues is what people kind of say. Was that a thing at Notre Dame also? Or uh, is that something that kind of just kind of popped up when he made it to the NFL? Yeah, that just kind of popped up in the National Football League. I, I remember seeing the video about a nightclub incident a, a year or two ago, but that was never something that was ever talked about here. I never heard anything like that. What you heard about Chase Claypool was when he got here, he was a special team star, and that's how everybody noticed him. And then the next off season, I think every assistant coach on the coaching staff was trying to get him into their position group because he was so athletic. He was a great tackler on special teams. So the defense wanted him, ultimately became a wide receiver, and the rest is history. But that was the guy, if you threw the ball up in the air, those 50-50 balls, he Mm -hmm. was kind of the poster child of making that play. And I was surprised to read in Pittsburgh, somebody wrote that he wasn't competing enough, which just doesn't sound like the same player we saw in South Bend, I know he's got the ability to make big plays. We saw him make big play after big play in so many games here. And those 50-50 balls, if Justin Fields wants to throw back shoulder or mm-hmm. throw the ball on a fade in the end zone, I will take my chances with Claypool. Yeah, and that's what's so interesting to me because I never remembered that being Claypool either. And I even remember Claypool coming into the draft and being like, hey, I would take Chase Claypool. Like, that'd be an awesome get for the Bears. And then when he went to the Steelers and just things kind of different rumors started coming out and maturity issues. And it was just kind of weird to me to hear all of that because I always just felt like Claypool had it together at Notre Dame. But sometimes I think that it is the place. So I'm hoping a new place, a change of scenery, everything for Claypool will help here in Chicago um, and kind of give him that second chance that I know he deserves. When you talk about him at, at on the football field, Darren, he, what would you say is his biz- biggest strength, those contested catches, those 50-50 balls? Yeah, I think his physicality and those winning those 50-50 opportunities always stood out to me. He was such a special team starter that first year because of his physicality, which I guess is a little bit of a surprise coming from Canada, and you don't think the quality of football is there, or maybe he had the strength and conditioning, but the kid came in and made a difference on the football team, and then he got his opportunity at wide receiver. I would love to have seen him as a safety or a linebacker. I think that would have been kind of interesting. Probably a safety at his size would have been a really interesting spot for him. But, hey, Brian Kelly and the staff made a pretty good choice turning him into a wide receiver. And I always appreciate his physicality. I think he's kind of sneaky fast. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the, the taller guys, maybe you don't give them full credit for being as fast as they can be, but 
he's a guy that can get off that hand-to-hand combat at the line of scrimmage with his physicality. And, again, Justin, throw it up to him. I've got confidence he's going to make a play for your football team. Uh, well, I hope so. We are looking forward to some more offense. They've, they finally they have back-to-back weeks with 30-plus, three, actually three straight yeah. weeks with 30-plus, which I don't think has happened and I don't even know how long. So we're seeing some excitement there. But one of the other guys I want to touch on before I let you go, Equinemia St. Brown. Um, obviously, he he's a guy that the Bears kind of grabbed. They got from Green Bay, and it was kind of a chance. It was one of those, let's throw darts at the start board and see if this guy can make something happen here. Um, unfortunately, last week, he ended up dropping a pass at the end of the game, and it didn't. That people are, Fans are not happy about that. But one thing you cannot ignore about Equinemius, and I want this is my question, is if he was like this yeah. at, um, at Notre Dame, his blocking ability as a wide receiver it literally changes the way plays happen sometimes, and I think it's opened so many opportunities for Justin Fields. Is that something that he had as a strength there also? Absolutely. Yeah, that's something that always stood out about him, and and that's a great point. And I think the Bears, that was a sneaky good signing just from the standpoint when you've got a guy that can run the football, and I don't think the last coaching staff used him right, in my humble opinion, last year, but the way the Bears are now using him to have those blocking wide receivers are crucial to get fields to the outside of the open field. And he was like that at Notre Dame. He probably would have been drafted higher, Taylor, honestly. But as we talked about with Cole a little bit, sometimes it depends on who your quarterback is and your opportunities. I think he went from 58 catches in his next to last year at Notre Dame down to 35 because mm-hmm. he the went quarterback. from Kaiser mm-hmm. to Brandon Wimbush, who just unfortunately struggled throwing the football consistently. So that hurt his draft stock and kind of a, a long-winded story. That hurt Notre Dame's chances to get Amon Ron St. Brown, his brother, who's now, of course, starring for the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. He picked USC over Notre Dame because of the concerns at the quarterback position. So unfortunately for Equinemius, his last year at Notre Dame, his draft stock probably didn't get helped by the quarterback play at that particular time, only having 33 or 35 catches that last year. But you're right, he was a complete wide receiver. And he was the guy that blocked, ran good routes. And I'm happy to see he's found a home in Chicago. I don't think we can say that Packer name a whole lot on this podcast. <laughs> yes. Even the- there with that, with that grumpy quarterback. And <laughs> now he, maybe he'll be a part of, the, of helping Justin Fields become that franchise quarterback that everybody in the Windy City is hoping for. Yes, and we've been waiting for for a while. And, yeah, that, the St. <laughs> Brown family definitely pumps out some athletes over there. Um, but one more for you before I let you go, Darren, yeah. and this is a little off-key from the Bears, but let's, uh, a little on Notre Dame because, like I mentioned, I am a Notre Dame fan. Uh, they have a yep. really uh, – coming off a big win against Clemson, a really fun big win against Clemson, and now they have the chance to flip the script a little bit these last few weeks on how the season maybe people thought it was going a few weeks ago. What is the vibe around Marcus Freeman there right now? I think you nailed it. What I've been talking about this week or even before the Clemson game – they had a chance to change the narrative from the start of the season when they were 0-2, that embarrassing loss to Marshall, and even losing to Stanford, which still just doesn't make sense, how they won 6-7 of seven since that 0-2 start, and they lost to Stanford. That one's just kind of a head-scratcher. But I'll say this. When you're at Notre Dame and all the players were talking before the season about we're here to make the playoff and win the national championship, and when you're an independent, Taylor, you know, when you start 0-2, all of your goals are thrown out the window. You don't have a conference championship to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Those goals you had are gone. And for this football team, led by 
I think it's fair to say three guys that will be taken in the top two rounds of the draft, an offensive guard and Jared Patterson, who would look really good in a bear uniform. Oh, yes. We've Mike been talking Bear's about him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and Isaiah Foskey, the defensive end. Those three guys could have given up on this season, and they're all leaders. They're all captains on this football team. And between their leadership and pushing forward in an era where guys quit seasons to get ready for the NFL draft, they stuck with it. They've continued to be leaders, and I can't say enough about Coach Freeman's leadership. Probably being a first-time head coach, heard him early on in the season. He's learned quickly, and I think most importantly, Taylor, in a moment like I just described where everything's kind of went haywire early in the year, the players continued to listen to Marcus. The coaching staff continued to make them better. The players who I talked about stuck with it. And when those guys are still battling, it's hard for everybody else to – to say, oh, I'm done. Mm -hmm. They're going to battle, too. So I think it is a great, great moment for Notre Dame fans to sit back and realize these guys believe in Marcus Freeman. They wanted him as head coach. And when things were looking bleak, after losing to Marshall, losing to Stanford, look where they are now. They're 6-3. and three. i got to be honest, when they were 0-2, had you told me they would have been 6-3, and three, mm -hmm. I might have given up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I picked them for 9-3 and three at the start of the year. They might end up at 9-3 and three because USC can't stop the run, and Notre mm -hmm. Dame is running it with the best of anybody in the country right now. They might get to 9-3, and three, not anywhere close to the way I thought they would get to 9-3, and three, but if they get to 9-3 and three, or even 8-4 and four, after that start, oh, yeah. I can't say enough about Marcus's leadership and figuring things out on the fly, which is not easy at a place like Notre Dame in your first year. Oh, no, and I think that it's been really fun to watch. The beginning, that first Ohio State game, even the, the first three quarters of that game, I was like, okay, this season's going to be really fun, and then that changed very yep. quick the next couple weeks, and then it started getting fun again. I, I think that North Carolina win really just set things off where you're like, okay, like this team can win football games, um, and it's been really fun to watch, and it's so easy to cheer for Marcus Freeman. So, um it's, I'm excited to see these last few games. It'll be really fun. And then, like you said, there's some names to watch out for in the draft, which we will definitely be having some draft talk, probably starting in four or five weeks or so when we really start looking at the draft board coming up. But I just want to say thank you so much for joining me. Um, I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Enjoy talking to you. All right. Thanks, Aaron. Have a good day. All right. You too. Bye. -bye. All right. Uh, well, thanks to Darren, too. He was that was a fun interview. It's cool to kind of see it's a, it's so different when you talk to a coach compared to someone who covered them, yeah. you know, and obviously in high, in college, too, because college media is really different. You're very shut off compared to like what NFL gets like we get one on one players with Jags if we want and they don't technically will come into the studio all the time. They used to. But, like, we get locker room one-on-one -on -one interviews, and you can really make those, like, fun and get to know their personality. We do roundtables. You you were involved in one during the – with Josh Allen in the beginning of – Josh Allen, the defense – Yes, the, not, the the quarterback, not the quarterback, not the quarterback. But – and so you – it's fun because you get to know those people on a different level. But in college, like, the reporters don't get that access. They don't really – they don't have the access normally to really get to know the guys on, like – just that personal level, they just know them in a press conference. And yeah. there's only so much you can let go in that. Yeah, I do feel like part of that is just like at the end of the day, like they are like heavy on the quotes here, kids yeah. still. And like, they're like, watch what you say. Yeah, like, and there is a certain level of like the school is like, since they are like not paid at or they're paid, but not mm -hmm. paid by the school. And yeah. like, they are technically still like kids in the eyes of yeah. the school. Like, there definitely is a, a certain level of like 
protection I feel like they give them from yeah. the media in that way. But like in the NFL, it's like yeah. The, the team does control who you talk to, but at the end of the day, it's like, if I want to go talk to someone, I'm just going to go do it. Yeah. I make millions of dollars a year. Well, and also, I think that in college, they're still learning a lot of times how to talk to media at oh, that yeah. point, too. You know, like, not only just the fact of, like, what to say and not, not to say, but also being comfortable. Like, it's not easy to just sit in front of people that you don't know and just be yourself. Like, it's yeah. it honestly takes a little bit. It took me a good bit on helmets and heels before I really felt like my personality was like shining through. And then I remember like when it happened and like one of our consultants were like, that's Taylor. Like that's what you need to do every week. And I was like, okay, like I didn't yeah. just gotta I, get comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, that definitely makes a difference, but yeah, it's really cool to hear about Cole. I did not know that he was that good at baseball. Now I was, I think I knew he played. I didn't know how good he was either. Um, it's honestly not surprising. I feel like there's I'm so a lefty, a lefty pitcher. Yeah, I feel like there's so many kids these days that like you know they're just stud athletes at whatever sport. And like the thing, it's it's so funny to me. This is like a, a question I've always asked myself. It's like you'll hear about all these athletes that like like LeBron James, mm-hmm. awesome basketball player, mm-hmm. was also a stud tight end, or like yeah. Pat Connaughton is a great example of someone who got drafted to go play in the NBA, but like was also a really good pitcher yeah. in high in uh, college, and then had a chance to go play for Baltimore. Even after getting drafted and yeah. playing a few years in the was NBA. LeBron a tight end? LeBron was a I tight did end. Not know he was that. so good. I probably just don't care about yeah. LeBron. So it was that's like a tight end or receiver. He was all state. Like, wow. So good. Allen Iverson was supposed to be like a stud quarterback. Um, you might, might not be as familiar with his name, but like Jalen Suggs is a, a yeah, recent yeah. example where like he was like a five star quarterback mm. recruit and ended up going to the NBA instead. Yeah. So like you have so many of these guys who like played other sports and like it's always such a really fun what if, especially yeah. when the guys don't work out as well too. We were mm-hmm. just like, maybe if he went to this sport, like yeah. he would have been a stud, but. I'm hoping that Cole just sticks with the football yeah. thing, you know, like I'm going to keep being really good at that. And mm. then, you know, I'll teach my kids to play baseball. Well, and two things, because we've talked about a few people this year already who have been those multi-sport players. I think Travis and Dominique both played basketball too, but I remember one of them being like pretty good at the other sport. And then which one was it that switched, played quarterback, wide receiver? Was that Well, Dom, Dom? was Dom was on the play quarterback and yeah. then Travis was, he liked basketball, basketball more. Yeah. But he realized better, he was better at football. Yeah, because so. his brother is the basketball player. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, and it, it, when you're an athlete, you're an athlete, you know? Yeah. And so a lot of those kids in high school kind of like, whatever, their friends play one sport, so that's what they start playing and then they'll play, they'll go to play another sport and figure out they're better at that sport. But you love this other sport because you've been playing it since you were five. So yeah. it's, I mean, it's kind of hard. There are a lot of like, I don't know if there's actual studies on this, but like I've seen like, sports medicine people or like you know whatever you want to call them they've been saying like you have less injuries if you play multiple sports as a kid because you're not stressing the same part of your body over and over that you would in a certain sport like yeah for example like if you're a pitcher in baseball mm-hmm. your elbow is gonna get a lot of stress yeah. but like you know if you're playing basketball it's not gonna be necessarily the same thing so like it's important for kids to diversify because not only does it teach them different skills that they could use in different, across sports but also like gives their body a chance to rest instead of just playing around all Which year. Which that makes sense, honestly. Yeah. And especially in that, I mean, I guess any sport you're focusing on a certain, like a certain body part is getting worked more. Yeah, and obviously it depends on sport and, to position, yeah, yeah, stuff like that, but yeah. Um, so uh, speaking of that though, the baseball aspect of it, which now it clicked as I was doing this interview with Darren and he was talking about him playing baseball at, in high school and Notre, and Notre Dame. Um, his celebration, his touchdown celebration is like him hitting a home, a home run. run. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. I like it clicked as I was doing that interview. I was like, oh, his Sully is a home run, um, which that's kind of cool. Incorporating the sport he also played and loved. And we also love baseball. Yeah. But um, so one of the other things that stuck out, stuck out, and this is not about Cole Komet. 
Um, this episode's about Cole Komet, but they're, like I mentioned earlier, Notre Dame 2.0 here in Chicago right now. And I, so I had to talk about Chase Claypool. I just had to ask him. Um, like I said, I loved Chase Claypool at Notre Dame, and I was honestly jealous when the Steelers drafted Chase Claypool because I was like, I want him as a wide receiver. He's, like you said, he's big, he's pretty quick, and he's even quicker when it comes to, like, on the field than what maybe his, like, 40 number shows. Um, game but, speed. Game speed. But um, obviously he's had some issues in Pittsburgh, and a lot of those things have been all about, you know, like the his maturity level. And so, but it was so weird to me because I just never remembered hearing that at Notre Dame. And so when I asked Darren, and Darren was like, no, that's weird. Like, I've he, that was not an issue at Notre Dame. And I was like, okay, that's what I thought. So Juju's the problem. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> we, we had talked about this before. And uh, I mean, I... But I, you pointed it out. Yeah. And I was like, that is a yeah. good point. Yeah. I think it's uh it's interesting because, I mean, like, I'm not as big as Notre Dame fan as you, kind of like a fair weather fan in that aspect. But, like, I was definitely aware who Chase Claypool was before the draft. And, mm-hmm. like, I definitely don't remember ever seeing anything being like, this guy's going to be doing all the TikTok dances and, you know, caring more about what the social media is doing than the football stuff until he got to the Steelers. Yeah. And so, like, that is kind of my own little theory on it is just, like, playing with a guy like Juju, and that was especially before he kind of fell off a little bit from what, yeah. he, for what he was. And, you know, like, don't get me wrong, Nick, it's fun to, like, want to be, like, an influencer slash yeah. football player, but, like, at the end of the day, like, you got to focus more on one thing than the other. And, like, I, I'm not against the idea of people, like, making contact mm-hmm. as a... Uh, an athlete because like especially in today's modern age like yeah. you know go for it but like at the end of the day like football should still be the main focus and like i went and saw like i like he had like a youtube channel or something mm-hmm. they used to post a ton on and like i looked and he hasn't posted a video in like eight months yeah that's a good sign i would yeah. say like i'm still he's i'm still more than welcome to like athletes like making content yeah. and like doing because like as stuff. we mentioned earlier with cole there's they're people outside of football yeah. so they need to be able to do things outside of football but you also do need to learn that balance and sometimes Football players, especially young guys, don't know how to balance. Yeah, and like posting yourself doing a dumb TikTok dance after you get your ass kicked. Yeah, like, not ideal. It's not going to make anyone happy. No. And like I get like you're trying to be funny and do this, this and that. But yeah. it's just like, you know, and like I think he's learned from that. Yeah, so. I do too. And I think that, um, number one, I think it was probably a slap in the face because all of a sudden he was hearing a fan base be like, we don't want this guy because he's immature and he doesn't know how to act and he cares more about TikTok. And he was probably like, oh, like I love football. I love Pittsburgh. And you could tell by his response when he got traded like he was upset like Pittsburgh that's the team that drafted him and he liked being in Pittsburgh even though there's they're kind of like on the downfall right now but that's that'll always be like a special place to somebody wherever you're drafted you know unless it just ends very badly um but so you could tell that he had a lot of like love and respect for Steelers fans and so I'm sure it hurt him one of the things I read was Brandon Marshall became kind of one of his mentors within that time because Brandon Marshall obviously it, it, he has a lot of other issues um because he has some you know like I'm trying to think of say this mental health issues yeah some like mental health things that he's worked through and he's been very open about it and stuff like that but it's affected the way he's treated certain people over time it's Robbie affected Gold. the same yeah <laughs> the way that he's reacted in certain moments and um so Brandon Marshall I guess became kind of close with Chase and was like look, you've got to get it together. Like, you're going to lose everything you love. You're going to lose football. You're going to lose everything you've worked for your entire life if you don't get it together. Um, And so I don't know if that word from Brandon Marshall all of a sudden was what Chase Claypool, what made him not post a video on YouTube and change things around, but it seems like it has. Um, 
And I think that sometimes, too, getting a fresh start somewhere is good. And he's now reunited with multiple teammates that he's played played with before. That's a comfortability factor. Justin seems like one of the guys it's just easy to get along with. Oh, yeah. Um, So I I can't say that personally. I've never met him. But from what I've seen of interviews and videos with fans and what he does around Chicago and him with teammates, um, his whole Instagram is constantly him posting other teammates' pictures on his story. It makes me so happy. I know. I I just just, get, I smile when I see it. I just love it. But, and that's the type of person I feel like Justin is. And that's what probably Chase Claypool needs because they haven't really had that. Ben Roethlisberger, ugh. and there's a lot of reasons I don't like Ben Roethlisberger, but he had that in the beginning, and then now it's been kind of a hot mess the last couple years. Yeah. So um, I'm hoping for, like, fresh, clean slate of Chase Claypool, and we see the Claypool that people thought the Steelers were drafting originally. Um, and obviously, Equinemius, we touched on that a little bit, uh, talking about more so his blocking, because I know people are very mad at him right now for dropping that ball at the end of the game. Um, but he has been an incredible blocker, and I know you don't care about a blocking wide receiver, but we talked about this in the offseason, that Nikhil Harry and um, Brian Pringle and Equinemius were two of the best blocking tight, I mean, blocking wide receivers in the league. So you knew this was going to be a factor into it. But... Um, it's fun. It's fun to get to know these guys in other in other worlds and other aspects and other lights because, like you said, like a lot of times we kind of just hone in on the football player. Yeah. And it's cool to see more. It's cool to hear guys talk and say he had eight or nine saves, whatever it was, in college, and uh, he was a lefty and he could throw ninety four. And you're like, what? <laughs> like just, I didn't know. Some that. people, I'm just so jealous of. Just like you're, just like you were just born athletic as hell. I know. And it's just like that. You even have to work. For yeah. It. And like, don't get me wrong. Like, there definitely are certain people. It's like, yeah, you got to work really hard. But yeah. like, some people, it's just like, yeah, dude, like you do whatever the hell you want. It's yeah. crazy, man. So I know. Um. So yeah, that was making monsters with Cole Komet. I want to touch a little bit on the Lions game. Uh, obviously, any divisional game has a little more umph in it to me. Um, and I think that we don't have that, like, despair with the Lions because, like, the Lions are the Lions. And I mean, they're if any, still the Lions. If anything, honestly, like, I kind of root for them a little bit. You know? And I have in the past, yeah. honestly. Like, because you're just like, man, I feel you bad feel for bad. You. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, they've been so, and, like, don't get me wrong, like, if the Lions turn into contender, I'll dislike them the same way I like, dislike yeah. the Vikings. Like, yeah. it won't be Packers hate, but, but like, we've Vikings been, like, hate, sure. We've been there together for so long, like, Bears and Lions just being, like, I'm sorry, like, we're here too, yeah, but they've the been even more so at the yes. bottom than we have. Like, I they've th- had worse years. I think you could argue they've been the dis- most most dysfunctional franchise in football for yeah. the last 25 years. Oh, for sure. I mean, like, the Browns. You would they- want to say the Browns. The Browns had, like, their little glimpse of what they thought was finally hope. Yeah, and- but the Lions have been consistently not only dysfunctional, yeah. but causing two not only Hall of Fame talents, yeah. All universe talents to yeah. end their careers early because the team was so bad. Yeah. And then their quarterback leaves and wins a Super Bowl the next, the next year. year. Yeah. yeah. That's a big ouch. But um, anyways, the Lions offense is it's dangerous at certain points. They Yes, they have a lot of weapons on the offense. I, I'm not convinced Jared Goff is great. Um, I think Jared Goff can get things done. And he has enough weapons to help him get things done. But they can score points. They didn't score a lot of points against Green Bay. That game was really weird, 15-9 to or whatever. Um, I don't really know what was going on with that. Yeah, I think I saw that DeAndre Swift, while he was active, wasn't really getting the ball that much. And, and like, yeah. yeah, and like Amon Ra has been struggling with some injuries too. So it could be a thing where they were just all not 100%. And yeah. they were they could, they could obviously figured out that they could win that football game without having them be full force, um, which is hilarious. But um, I think that their defense is terrible. 
But our defense is terrible. So Lions fans are sitting there looking at the Bears right now saying the exact same thing. Like, Justin Fields is scary. They We don't know really what to expect from Chase Claypool yet because this is only going to be his second game. Uh, we've seen some Nikhil Harry action, some more. Darnell Mooney can be scary. Obviously, Montgomery and Cliff Herbert both um, are very dangerous backs right now. And our run game is... Uh, th- that has to terrify people. Yeah, and I mean, what I also think... has to terrify people is you have to have a spy on Justin at this point. And having a spy on Justin opens so much stuff. I think the craziest thing is, like, I think it's very hard not to argue that we are the best running game in the NFL. Yeah. Because, like, compu- like, David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert alone are one of the best uh, running back rooms. Mm-hmm. And then you throw Justin Fields into there. Yeah. It's just, like, because I think the only quarterback, ru- only quarterback running-wise that I think is really comparable to him at this moment is Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. I mean, like... I think Josh Allen, you could maybe throw him in there. And Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, too, as well. But, like, I just feel, I don't know. It's just, I love the ability that this team has to yeah. move the ball with their feet. And, like, it just gets me so excited with the idea of getting receivers it's and getting so weapons. Fun. And I like, know. Yeah, I don't know. It's like it, this hope we haven't had in so long. Yeah, and the, for this game coming up this next week, like, I am very much expecting the same thing mm-hmm. as the last two weeks. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of points and not a lot of defense. Another, like... High thirties, probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I I'm fine with that, honestly. I, I like, mean, at the beginning of the year, we were saying like I would rather us lose, yeah, a shootout yeah. than lose. But exciting nine games where six. we're seeing the offense do something. Exactly. And I get right now it's frustrating for people because we're so used to having a defense. Like we're yeah. so used to having this dominant defense to where like teams can barely score 12, 13 points. Um, and that's great. Well, we have money and picks to fix all of that this offseason. This year has and will be about Justin Fields. And we're finally seeing that. And we're finally like whatever is working. And we have to give credit to Luke Getze, too, because what he has done the last few weeks has been incredible too. his play calling. I mean, we talked about Cole Komet. Cole Komet literally ran the ball twice. He had a sneak. He did a jet sweep. He drilled over Xavier Howard at one point, just ran him over like he was nothing. And Luke Getzey's calling these plays that are just so fun. And it's fi- I think he watched the first, you know, when he, they had those 11 days, they said they watched Lamar Jackson tape. But I think in addition to that, he watched those few weeks and was like, okay, this and this worked. And I see what's working. And it's Justin Fields. Like, yeah, Justin I mean, Fields is what's working. I think it was pretty clear that, like, at the end of the day, like, Justin is without a doubt, the best athlete we have on the team. I think overall. Yeah. And just getting the ball in his hands is such an important thing. Mm-hmm. And I will give a lot of credit to Luke Getzey because for the first few weeks, I was very critical of him. I yeah. thought his play calling was plain Bad. and boring and yeah. just not we exciting. Like, oh, no. and- we were literally watching the game one night, not you and I, but like me and the Bears group I have. And everyone was like, what kind of naggy call was that? And I was yeah. like, that's remember, what we were calling Remember it. when he snuck the or when he tried to go uh, uh, from the goal line with uh, a, a quarterback uh, out of shotgun? Yeah. Like, what are you thinking, dude? We were all like, like oh, this is what we're going to exactly. have this year. So, like, it was, it was a rough start. But, like, yeah. credit to them. They've turned it around. And I feel good about them going yeah. forward, as crazy as it sounds. Like, I know that there are definitely some things that we very clearly need to work on. Mm-hmm. I think we severely need to get better at getting to the quarterback. The last few Facts. weeks... It has not been. Did we even get a sack last week? Like I don't think we got one. Like it's there. Yeah, there. I don't yeah. remember. I'll have to look real quick. But I, I don't I, even there think was we, some pressure I, around Tua. Yeah, but because I remember even the announcer saying something at one point, and they said, "I want to say it was Travis." Um, they were talking a lot about Muhammad during the game. Like they said his name quite a few times. Not because he got to the quarterback, but he was like creating Causing some. Problems. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, they're not getting to the quarterback. Is 
nearly as much as what they need to yeah. do. Yeah, and that's something that is, that's something of, that you could do to Jared Goff. Though. Yeah, I agree. And like at the end of the day, like I do understand that like Dominique Robinson and Travis Gibson were not very high picks. Yeah, and you're not necessarily expecting them to like blow up the first yeah. opportunity they have to be given all this opportunity to yeah. be given all these chances to succeed. So I understand it, but also at the same time, it's just like. I like a sacker too. Yeah, you know, that'd be cool. But it's fun to see the quarterback go yeah. down. I do have a question for you though. Yeah, is to this point in the season, do you consider the season a success? Um, I would say yes, honestly. Um, and I would say yes because of what the offense is looking like. Okay, so let me just backtrack to like six weeks ago. Six weeks ago, I was in a little bit of a worry because I was like, okay, are we? Are we ready to have the discussion that maybe Eberflus isn't working because he's a defensive coach? That was one question. Another one, are we ready to have the discussion that Luke Getze is not the guy and Luke Getze probably or maybe looked better because he was coaching Aaron Rodgers? Um, And then we also had the question of like, and I don't want to say I was ever in like a panic mode, but you can't say that it didn't cross your mind of like, oh gosh, is Justin the guy? No one felt good about Justin Fields after the Texans game. Yeah. he threw the same exact pick uh, twice, terribly twice. Yeah. And it was just like, even I myself, like, I had the thought. It was just like, I am going to look like such a dumbass if this guy is bad at that <laughs> football. Because I have thrown all of my chips into this guy being good. Yeah. I've loved him since he was in high school. I loved him at Ohio State. And, like, if he's bad, I'm going to look like an idiot. Yeah. So thank you, Justin, for making me look like an idiot. Yeah. Thank you, Justin. And then, so in addition to that, um, one of the things that we complained about last season is like, we had no money to spend. We had no draft picks. We had no first round draft pick, all of these things. And we're like, wait, and everyone's like, they didn't help Justin Fields. They didn't help Justin Fields. They didn't help Justin Fields because they didn't have the means to help Justin Fields. And now they do. And so as much as I love winning football games, I'm at the point now where because I feel so good about Justin and because I feel so good about Luke Getze and this offense and Khalil and Mont- Montgomery, who knows what's happening with that yet? We don't know. I would love to keep both of them, but obviously it has to be like an understandable contract. All of those things are so exciting. And now we get to go into this offseason being like, we have our quarterback. Like, we know we have our franchise quarterback. We know we have a wide receiver in Darnell Mooney. That's really good. We know we have a secondary that can be dangerous in the NFL. We know we need to fix this offensive line. It's gotten a little better. There, were, I think they had two sacks last week, and they were, like, at the very end of the game. So there was things that were fixing. And the Dolphins' pass was pretty good, especially if you're getting Bradley Chubb. Yeah. So, I mean, they were holding up against – and they mixed some things around. Schofield was out there. Riley Reef was out there. Um, so it's, it's a different line, and we'll see how that plays out. But, obviously, the offensive line needs fixing. The defensive line needs fixing, and we need some linebackers now. So there's a lot of things to fix, but we're not going into this, like, do we draft a quarterback? Do we need, obviously we'd love a probably some sort of veteran, good wide receiver um, that could come in and kind of take that room because all these guys are young. Um, and I'm sure they'll draft one or two. And But I, it's so, there's no way I can sit here right now and say I'm mad about how the season's going. Yeah, I mean, I can or disappointed even. Like, yeah. I'm not. I mean, I very, I mean, I, I think I'm more than happy with how yeah. it's been going. And I think for me at the end of the, end of the day, um, the thing I really wanted to happen was uh, Justin Fields to show noticeable progress this season, and yeah. I think that's been accomplished. Yes, and I would really like the rest of the team to show some progress. We've seen incremental parts here, but mm-hmm. we haven't seen necessarily a ton of growth. But like again, as you said, there's just so many holes we have to fill at this point that yeah. I mean, like we're not going to be that good right now, and that's pretty clear. But yeah. once we start filling those holes, I'm going to feel a lot better. Yeah, I agree, and I think that there's just so much to look forward to, and it's been a while since it's. This is like 
the most exciting I've been about an off season in a long time. Like, mm-hmm. I just feel like the last few years, it's been like, oh God, like last year was just mainly because we just had nothing. Like we had nothing to spend. So I was like, we don't even have a first day draft pick. Like what? Yeah. Are, why, why am I excited about that? And granted, I think Ryan Poles did very well in the draft, especially given the picks he had. Um, but uh, the year before that, we were didn't know we were getting Justin Fields. And I, we were that was like, the most bleak I was feeling about a Bears yeah. season. We had just signed ever. Andy Dalton. And I we did were not. Like, I was like, I, I'm not going to watch this a second sucks. of this team. Like, yeah. I don't care. Like, um, yeah. So yeah. one question for you, and then we will close it out because we talked a lot. One of the questions I asked you in the off season was, who was the best player on the Chicago Bears? And we both said Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith's gone. Is it an easy answer that the best player on the Chicago Bears right now is Justin Fields? I think so. I mean, I can't really think of anyone else. Really, yeah. I mean, like. The crazy thing is you could say like I like Eddie Jackson, yeah. which is nuts. I love Eddie nuts. right now. That's He's to so think fun. about where he was before the season and yeah. where, the way he's been playing. Um, Justin Jones has been playing a lot oh, better yeah. recently. Credit That's another name you heard constantly yeah. last week. Yeah. Justin Jones, Justin Jones. And I was like, and they kept saying like seven-year veteran or whatever, five-year veteran, whatever it is. I feel bad. I should learn this by now because we just talked about him last week too. But he has, he's been a playmaker. He stepped up Not in some ways. He's a captain now. Yes, so, good for him. He's good and on- I was wondering who they were going to do. Remember yeah. we were asking. I was like, maybe it'll be Muhammad. I'm glad it's Justin Jones. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. But I, I, it's, I was just thinking about that. I was like, because before the season started, we were both like, we don't have any like st- stellar players right now honestly we have Roquan and maybe Robert Quinn and now those two are gone and I mean I think we could throw Montgomery and Khalil in that conversation because they're definitely two of the better backs in the league um but as all around and carrying your team it's just hard to not say Justin Fields which I think is what we want yeah I mean I think the thing for me that I I think it's so funny to look back and I remember very specifically asking you this question before the season started and I said Taylor let's say the Bears have a terrible season, so bad that they get a top three draft pick. You got guys like C.J. Stroud, Bryce mm-hmm. Young looking at you. Well, how would you feel if they looked at those guys? And like yeah. that isn't something that we don't even have to yeah. consider at this point. No. Which is like, I was, but I also said no. Uh, Just to did. let everyone yeah, know. No, yes, yes. And, <laughs> I said I would give them another year. Yes, I said the same thing too. I was like, <laughs> it would be really hard to pass because I, I also prefaced it saying like, it'd be very hard for us to be that bad and Justin have a good year. Yeah. So odds are if we we're in that position, he probably was pretty bad. Yeah. Thankfully, we're not going to be doing that situation, but like it was a tough thought for a little yeah. bit there because you're just like, I think this guy's the guy, but like he also yeah. has only played like half a season, if that. Yeah. I don't really know. And like, yeah. Well, he had like yeah. 10 games, but it was so messy and clunky and he yeah. got injured and he was getting killed and it was all this stuff. Um, but yeah, it is wild to think, uh, to rewind and like to rewind and think about that, to rewind and think about things we were talking about, Tevin and things we were talking about, like just so many different players and where we are now. And that was two months ago. <laughs> It's a long but that's, season. That's NFL. Yeah. yeah. So we are, it doesn't technically have a full on halfway point anymore because of the seven, the 17 weeks that you play. Um, but we are halfway through. Sad. Yeah, we are. And we still have, what week are we in? We're in week ten, nine. 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 So we still even have like four or five weeks until our bye week. That's yeah. what's crazy. Um, but anyways, hopefully this weekend we see more of Justin. And since it's going against a defense that does not know how to play defense um, against the run or against the pass, hopefully we see a, a little bit. I would love to see a game where Justin does air it out so all the people can just shut up for a minute that are like, he's a running back, blah, 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 blah. And like it, most people are not saying that. The haters are saying that. There's a couple guys on national TV that are saying that, and I think they're saying that because they kind of have to yeah, at this I think, point. I think I've seen like some like uh, some Jets fans, some Niners fans. Oh, yeah. I've been teams, arguing with one Jets fan yeah. all week. 
and he he kept saying it and then he said I don't know he, I was like you realize like Justin Fields has more passing touchdowns than Zach Wilson right and he was like well we can run the ball I was like we have the most rushing yards in the league this was like yeah. when we still did now we're number two but I was like we have the most rushing yards in the league we can run the ball but you know what we can also do is throw t- passing touchdowns yeah. into the end zone I think just a little and, salty about how Zach's been playing uh, compared yeah. to Justin so. it, it's weird because the Jets are playing well but he's not playing well so that hey, has to hey, at some point hey, start hey, I will say the Jets fans. We were there. Yeah. We had Mitch Trubisky yeah. and Deshaun Watson and um, Patrick Mahomes was yeah. balling out. And this was before Deshaun was, you know, the little creepy rapist he is these days. Yeah, yeah. But like Patrick Mahomes, we saw the graphic every single time. Yeah. We were, we were just tortured with that. <laughs> and now you guys are going to have the same problem we that we had. We had to hear. And we st- I feel like maybe finally we'll stop hearing it. But for so long, you chose Mitchell Trubisky over Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. We're like, we know. It was always, we it was know. always the graphic on any single big game that had one of the, or two of the three of them in there. They put it up there just yeah. like comparing the numbers. And the only thing Mitch was better at was wins. Yes. And then that changed quickly. Yes. And uh, one more thing. We are going a little long again. We always do. But because I thought about it, when we played Dallas, they played the video they're like tribute video to when Emmett Smith broke Walter Payton's like rushing record or whatever did you see that I don't think I did know so that was like what Dallas did when Chicago came to of Dallas course. and so I'm like because we play Philly at home and I was like I wonder if they'll play a tribute video of Justin Fields breaking Michael Vick's rushing yeah record. I mean because technically he was he was on Philly for a little bit so yeah, yeah. I see it maybe I'm like maybe just yeah. like a little jab yeah <laughs> We'll but we'll see. Um, all right. This is Making Monsters. I'm Taylor Dahl. That's Dylan Ryan. We will catch you guys next week. <laughs>